This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We all have living legends currently surrounding us. We don't need to look only to the famous or the wealthy as our models of strength, but we can observe inner strength through our daily interactions, even in our own households, maybe in the next room. If we can't see them, all we need to do is open our eyes a little wider. Valeria Tellis interviews Jennifer McCloskey, the author of Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin, True Stories of Faith, family, and fortitude. Jennifer McCloskey has been a motivational speaker and trainer across the country since 1986. Her workshops have been well-received by several corporations, including Weikert Realtors, Remax, Hawk Hill Farms, WSSC, Dr. Horton Holmes, GMAC, churches, athletic communities, and numerous high schools throughout the United States. Three of Jennifer's seminars were recently used in India. She has been a keynote speaker at several Earth Day events. Jennifer was the feature of a CBS evening news story on women in non-traditional roles. She has been the subject of several newspaper articles highlighting her career in three different states. Jennifer is a 28-year volunteer at a home for battered and abused children in Washington, D.C., She also authors a Dear Abby-type advice column for community teens. Ms. McCloskey relates her successful management techniques and personal experiences with warmth and wit, while providing insight and ideas in understanding interpersonal skills and various management styles. Jennifer is a wife and mother of two children who best loves being with her family and sparking the light within others. Jennifer offers insight in her first book, Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin, where she shares heartfelt stories and life lessons. It's available in paperback everywhere, on Kindle and Audible, and even in Spanish. Meet Jennifer at GiardiAssociates.com. Here's the interview with Jennifer McCloskey. In your own words, who is Jennifer McCloskey? (laughs) And thank you for pronouncing it correctly. That's beautiful. Um, I am a wife and mother of two children who just loves to spark the light within others. I guess that's me in a nutshell. So many of us talk about finding purpose, meaning in life. So talk to me for a moment, Jennifer, about finding purpose and what are the signs when we are there? You know, it's funny. I love that you brought that up because 
I had always heard about Kohlberg's seven levels of ethical and moral decision-making and purpose. And I had learned about them in high school. And then I learned about them again when I was teaching a class. And then I learned about them again in college. And I thought, oh my gosh, I really should pay for these. And the first three levels uh, about purpose or how we find life in a sense is about ourselves. And it's really what they call the me levels. It's, do I get praise and recognition? Am I getting a reward? Am I, is there some kind of consequences? It's about the me level. And then the next three levels are about others. It's about, uh, because it's the law. Why do you drive 55? Because it's the law. Why do you come home on time for curfew? Because it's the rules of the house. Because I know it's meant to keep me safe. Um, Those kind of things. And Ultimately, I think the, the top level there is why do we do certain things? Because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's right for others. And then the top level, the third level, is really because it's, it's a higher purpose. There's a greater reason because it's pleasing to God because there's really a better reason to do things. And so I'm a civil engineer by trade, and oh, wow. I'm technical and a, a lot of great things I had done in my life. But I kept coming back to those levels and saying, you know, am I really doing things for a better reason? Am I doing things for the right reason? Not just to see something that I've built through construction or through engineering, but really to to kind of make it come full circle and to do things for an even better reason. So I had to challenge myself. And so really becoming a motivational speaker and trainer is how I found my passion and my purpose in a sense to help people feel that spark and to help them feel like they're worthy and that life has this amazing purpose for each of us. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like those seven levels helped me kind of come back full circle. So the purpose of life, what do you think it is in general? What's the reason to be in a human body? Oh, I love the way you phrase that. To me, life is about connections. It's about relationships. And I mean, I mean, if you think about it, we're born with an umbilical cord, right? We're born connected. And we are really meant to take those little things in life for each of us, whether it be connected to ourselves, to others, to our maker, whatever it is, it's to feel that connection to to nature, to something, mm-hmm. and to know that we are built and made to grow and move forward, not just to be stagnant, but to always be growing and moving and changing and blooming and connecting with ourselves, with others. Because really, my mom always used to say, you're born with one wing, Jennifer. It isn't until you truly embrace someone else that you really fly. Oh, wow. That was when that way you have two wings and whether it be, you know, your maker or whoever it is, if you can really feel connected, that is when we can really fly. And that to me really encompasses what life is about, that connection relationships, just being able to connect. And that's what your podcast does that I just love that you have the capability to share that with people. Thank you. I do have a question for you here about speaking of connection. Uh, 2020 has been a challenging time for all of us, a time of change and challenges. What insights have you gained in 2020, from 2020, Jennifer? I loved 2020. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Right. I got to be honest. 2020 has allowed us to stop and catch our breath. It has allowed us to kind of exhale and say, what is really important to me? Hmm. And I think it's Mother Teresa who says, if you want world peace, go home and hug your children. Okay. And I love, it starts at yeah. home, right? And yeah. I think 
we are all given this opportunity to be with our families, to be safe, to be tucked in somewhere. And whether we're connected with people or not through your podcast, through other ways of connecting, we still have the ability to do that in so many ways. But it's also a chance to really look people in the eyes that we haven't seen in our own house in a while. And it's our chance to really say, what are those things I've been dying to get done that I just haven't taken the time to do? And now that I don't have to travel or I don't have to be in the office, I'm able to sit in the same roof. And five seconds after I'm done with work, I'm at home. And I can share time and energy with those loved ones again. And I think 2020 has been my chance to say, don't forget the good things that are happening right now. Because one day when we go back to the hustle and bustle of 2021 or 2022, we're going to look back and say, oh, I wish I could put my feet up again. I wish I could go to work in fuzzy (laughs) slippers with my hair in a ponytail. I wish I could do all those little things that I didn't really embrace while they were happening. Yes, it's a lot of being unconnected right now and it's a lot of separation, but I look at it as a chance to really grow of who I am and take on those projects that I've always wanted to do and really wrap my arms around them. That's beautiful if we can see life in such a way. Um, The challenge is embrace them as opportunity to grow, to discover, to do things that we have been dreaming about. I agree, and I feel the same way about 2020. It has been a magical time. Something has been shifting. Some people say, I talk to a lot of people um, at a different level, spiritual level, that in the sense of vision. Do you feel a shift that something is changing, especially for women after 2020? Or this is not something that you're aware of? I do feel there is a shift. I absolutely do. I think it's it's uh, it's important that we look at that and say, I love that sentence that you said earlier when you said, how can we grow from this? Yeah. That's it. That's the key right there. Everything's going to happen to us. We all learn the same lessons in life. Some of us just take a little longer than others. True. So we all things, right? We get there. And so it makes me think we need to really look at that shift of, are we more focused now on relationships? Are we more focused now on productivity? Are we more focused now on uh, so many other things? And that shift, I think, is kind of bringing us back, maybe centering us a little bit and saying, what's really important? What is really important? Especially, I know I look at so many offices and that they're saying, I don't know if everybody's going to come back in the office. We may allow a lot more uh, telework, not because we want people to be at home, but we want to offer that as an option for those that want to be close to their families or their friends, or maybe not take that commute, that long commute every day. Yeah. That shift is happening. And I think it's making us prioritize what's important to us now. Speaking of what matters, I have a question here for you that I often ask pretty much all my guests, but I have not been asking lately for some reason. Uh, Freedom. What is freedom to you? Freedom to me is a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's different to everyone, but right. freedom to me is that ability to feel good inside mm-hmm. and to go to sleep with a clear conscience. Yeah. To me, freedom is the ability to know that you have made peace with people. I know I, I talk a lot to the elderly, and one of the things they tell me over and over, two things they tell me over and over again is, Jennifer, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of my body. That's the first mm, thing. Right. And the second thing they say is, I wish I had fewer regrets in life. Not for things that they they did, but for things they didn't do. And like they mm. should have re- 
reconnected with a sibling or they should have forgiven someone or they should have, you know, tried something new or tasted something. So I think to me, freedom is that clear conscience of knowing that I can close my eyes and not have any worries when I go to sleep at night, that I have made peace with my enemies, that I have forgiven souls that I need to forgive, that I have taken care of people that needed my help and my assistance, and that I have felt a connection with those that I love, that they know that they're loved. To me, that is freedom. It's something within. It's that soul deep cleansing that makes me sleep at night. That's <laughs> really what it comes down to. Yeah. It sounds like inner peace. I call it inner peace. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. To me, they are connected. They're exactly what you're saying. Doing the things that we know that we want to do, not necessarily need responsibility, but want from the heart. That's what I I live for. But it takes courage, doesn't it, Jennifer, to live in such a way? Yes. My daughter came home from a, a camp that she had gone to, and the, the whole weekend was about leadership. And their theme of the whole weekend was, what would I do if I were brave? Yeah, right. And I thought, oh my God, just like you said, Valeria, courage. It takes courage. Yeah, it does. It's really hard when you look at your life and think, what would I do if I were brave? It changes everything. Yeah, right. And so as a speaker, I get my business from talking to people and asking them if they would like a speaker. And it's really hard sometimes to be brave and to say, you know, I would love to speak at your event. It's It takes courage. And you're right. That is something that we have to really dig deep to find within it takes a lot of practice. For you, what have helped? What kinds of practices that come to mind? To be courage, to yeah. be great to me, I think it has helped with doing it over and over, even when I don't want to. Mm, right. Everybody is afraid, but it's when you take that first step. It's taking one step in the direction you want to go. You know, eating the elephant is really hard, but yeah. taking one <laughs> by time, right? so yeah. much easier. And I have found that the more I practice doing it. Like I teach public speaking as well. And one of the things I ask people is give a toast or thank your host or hostess. Just take two minutes or one minute, do a little one minute little spiel. And the more you do that, the more people appreciate it, the more confidence you get. And I find that being brave and being courageous just takes practice and more practice and more practice. And it seems to break it in a little easier for me the more I do it. What are some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness? Oh, I think that other people make you happy. Yeah, I right. think we wait for someone else to make you happy. I can't be happy unless I'm married to him or I can't be happy unless she sees that I'm doing something. I think happiness comes from within. And it comes from your connection to really a higher power and to your own self-confidence to know I'm good, I'm worthy. I'm worthy whether they are with me or not. I'm worthy whether they they like me or not. I'm worthy whether they make fun of me or not. I am worthy of great things. I am worthy of good relationships. I am worthy to be loved. And I think when you look at it that way, the misconception is don't wait for other people to make you happy. It is here. The same thing's going to happen to me that's going to happen to you. It's all how we look at it. It's all how we look at it. So you wrote the book, Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin, True Stories of Faith, Family, and Fortitude. What an interesting title, Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin. When I heard this for the first time, I was like, that's amazing how <laughs> you're talking about something that most people don't want to talk about, uh, you know, death, 
that's so courageous, isn't it, to title a book this way, beautifully done. Talk to me, I guess the first question before I get to the other ones, how did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? Thank you for that question. I love to talk and I'm a motivational speaker and I find that facts tell, but stories sell. Yeah. And when I give talks or, or seminars, people want to hear the story behind why the information is up on the screen. And so I love to tie it together with maybe that visual painting a picture in someone's mind as to why this message is going to make sense. And so people love to hear stories because I think it really paints that greater picture of what the message is you're trying to to, to bring home. And so Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin is really um, 60 short stories that I've put life lessons in that I really have learned through my own life and stories about my family and, and friends and put those into short little stories. And in their own being, they have this larger story that, that it tells. And I thought, you know, People are always asking me at the end of my seminars, oh, how do I get more of your stories? Oh, how do I learn more about some of the, mm-hmm. the stories you were telling us about? And I thought, maybe I should write that down. Maybe I should should go a little further. And one time we were sitting at Thanksgiving dinner and my niece was asking questions about her grandfather who had passed, my dad. And my cousin said, oh my gosh, did you know he saved a man in the war and he had done this? And she said, no, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. And my, my cousin said, Jennifer, you should write these stories down because they're amazing. And many years later, the book came to be. The inspiration for that, I was looking in a book, like, how did that come to be? The, uh, the name. And then I found uh, the chapter 40, I believe. I didn't write it down here for some reason, but yeah, chapter 40, that is correct, Jennifer. Yes. Yes. So when your mother says, uh, she said, you wrote, she, your mother Mary, uh, had always believed when you die, you walk the last mile with your maker and discuss with him the times you separated yourself from him. That's interesting. So she believed that putting, when your father died, putting nice shoes, comfortable shoes, that would help him in his journey into paradise. That is so lovely. I absolutely love anything that has to do with that, the spiritual realm, because that's who we are, spirits here, uh, having this experience from my understanding. Actually, it's not a belief system, it's a knowing these days. Talk to me about that story. Oh, you can tell the story, actually, that'll be fun. And also how that affected you. In the end, you do say something about uh, that you talk to your children, that you ask them to do the same. <laughs> that's Cute. Yeah, I'm honored that you read that, that chapter. Thank you. And yes, yes, my mother, whenever, whenever something would happen in, in the community or just in life, you know, a child would die or, you know, someone's house would, the pipes would burst. And I'd say, Mom, why did that happen? And she would just shake her head and say, I don't know, put comfortable shoes in my coffin. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> so my father passed away in 1992 and she sent me and my husband to the funeral home with his ensemble to wear in the casket. And she sent his blue suit and his beautiful blue tie and his blue socks and his matching dark blue shoes that were beautiful. And she gave me a separate bag and said, tell the funeral director to put these, his favorite slippers Mm. in the casket with him. And I thought, okay, I'm a little embarrassed. (laughs) Okay. So I did. Really the funeral director's response that really struck me. Mm -hmm. So I gave him all the, the clothes, the socks, the shoes, and 
And I gave him the extra bag. And I said, oh, by the way, would you mind putting these, his favorite bedroom slippers in the casket as well? He said, of course, no problem. And he didn't even bat an eye. And I thought, okay, this is weird. I must not be the person asking So I went home and said, mom, what does that mean? And just as you beautifully described, you know, she said, Jennifer, you walk that kind of in quotes, that last mile when you die. And those are the times when you can ask God questions. And you really it becomes known to you all the things that didn't make sense during your life. And when you get there, you'll be able to kind of connect the dots and say, oh, that's why that happened. So that this would make sense. Oh, now I understand. She believed that my father had many questions and had many uh, things that he wanted to talk over with his maker one day. And she knew that if she put comfortable shoes in his casket, that that would mean he'd have a comfortable last journey on his walk into paradise. And so when I found that, it really kind of gave me peace, Valeria, because I thought, one, my dad's going to be okay. But two, also that things will make sense within the right time, maybe not my time, but in the right time, they're going to all make sense. And so when I kind of, came to peace with that, I I now tell my kids all the time, <laughs> one day, put comfortable shoes in my coffin because I have questions too. And I hope one day it'll all make sense. How lovely. I absolutely love these stories, messages, really. These are profound messages. So my question to you about that, it's spirituality. Do you have any spiritual practices? Do you believe in God? I do believe in God, yes. I am a Christian. I have practiced the Catholic faith, but I also embrace all religions. And I really feel strongly that um, that connection that we have to our maker, that is personal. Right. And our ce- it's our celebration that we choose to put in categories, but our relationship and our spirituality and our connection, that's personal. How we choose to celebrate that spirituality through a church, through nature, however it is, that's that's our celebration. That's different. And everybody can have their own method for that, or they can um, choose to unite with the church to do that. Those are all beautiful ways, as long as we make that connection and and have that spiritual feeling inside. Again, that's what, that's what makes us sleep at night, knowing that we have that peace of mind to know that we are loved and we are cared for, we are forgiven, and we are cherished. And what is your idea of God, Jennifer? Uh, what and where is God to you? God is everywhere, and God is in each one of us, I believe. I know uh, there was a story about um, some monks that were separated themselves. This is way before quarantine, and they had separated themselves. And they were up on a mountain, and they just weren't getting along. And so they called the highest monk of all, and they said, you know, can you come help us? We're just not nice to each other. We're criticizing each other. Everybody's rude. We don't know what to do. We're, we're here to, to be you know, kind of in commune with each other and, and pray, but we're just not connecting. And so the the higher monk came and he said to them, I'm going to talk to each of you and see if I can figure out really what, what the tension is here between us. And so he spoke with each of them and they were, he was in high regard. He was really thought just really high regard of this monk. And after he interviewed all the monks, he went back and talked to each of them again. He said, you know, I got to be honest with you. After talking to each of you, I had found that God is here in one of you. God is here. And I just want you to know, you may not realize it, but God is in, one of you is, has God inside of them. And I can't tell you which one it is, but, but he's here. And after that, they started to treat each other as if they didn't know who was the one that had God inside of them. So they started to treat each other with respect and 
really honoring each other. And I think if we start to realize that God is in each one of us and that we really are meant to connect with each other and to love each other, and if we can figure out how to do that, then our gift, our cup will never be empty. Our cup will always be full because God is everywhere and God is within within each of us. And I do believe that one-on-one connection with God is important. And sometimes, quite honestly, I believe it happens when we're just quiet. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best connection is when we're just alone with our thoughts and our prayers to know that, that that's when we can hear Him. I love the way you speak. Your energy is so joyful. <laughs> and the message, profound. Everything you do has a lot of love and uh, profound wisdom. Boy, I live for those things. <laughs> I follow you. I follow your lead. Yeah, really beautiful. Thank you. I have some stories here with the messages that I really touched me. Another one was chapter 20, the wooden bunny story. That's Interesting one where you say, I have learned that it is the imperfections that make those things perfect. So talk to me about that story, if you want to tell the story too. And why do we tend to be perfect, want to be perfect, and want everything else perfect and everyone else perfect? Boy, that is so true. And you know what? I was one of those people. And as you can tell from that story, the wooden bunny is a story about my father used to tinker in the garage all the time. And he would make these, he was, he could fix anything. The man was a machinist. He was a salesman. He could do anything, but really he loved woodworking. He loved carpentry and he got this wooden bunny that he had found at an art show or a craft show. And he brought it home and he thought with all the tools in his garage, he could do a wooden bunny or make a gorgeous wooden bunny just like the one that he had purchased. And so he did. He One afternoon, he set out in his garage and he carved this wooden bunny with the tools that he had. And then he painted it, even put a ribbon around its neck. It was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And so he came, he called me in his his garage and said, hi, honey. You know, I was very small at the time. I said, look what I made. Look, I bought this bunny and then I made one just like it. I said, oh, Dad, you're amazing. That's so great. He said, which one would you like to have? And again, I answered as a child would answer. I was a child. I wanted perfection. I thought that the original wooden bunny was beautiful. The paint job was perfect. The bow was perfect. And so I, without thinking, I just looked at the original one and said, I'll take the original bunny. And without a nod of anything, he said, here you go, honey, and handed me the original bunny. He never made another wooden bunny. I really Mm. thought we were going to craft hundreds of them for our family, Mm -hmm. and we never got another wooden bunny. Years and years later, after my father had passed away, I found the original sterile wooden bunny in a box. And at that moment, I would have given anything to have my father's bunny that he crafted with his two hands, with the not-so-perfect paint job, with the ribbon that was slightly twisted. I would have given anything. I searched and searched for that wooden bunny, but never found it. And I still, to this day, I have that original sterile wooden bunny on my dresser. Mm -hmm. And I do not like it. I don't have it because I like it. (laughs) I have it there to remind myself that it's the imperfections that make those things perfect, just like you said. Mm 
And I really want to remind myself when my children give me things or when they write a story with a misspelled word or when they sing a song that's out of key, that I should embrace it because it's from them, not because it's not perfect, but because it's perfect from them. And it reminds me that as we grow up and we mature a little bit, maybe we will see that it's not perfection we're looking for, but connection that we're looking for. And that's funny that you're saying as a child, I answered, or I asked for the store-bought bunny. Mm. That kind of made me think about having a childish, immature mentality as an adult, walking in life in such a way, wanting perfection and being caught up in that kind of um, mental activity and suffering, because ultimately that's what it does. It causes a lot of yeah. suffering. So true, Valeria, so true. So another story uh, that you tell that I really like, yeah, this one about the chapter 51, Nights of Rhythm. Yeah. (laughs) I love that music. So talk to me for a moment, Jennifer, about the power of music and also the, um, the importance of not taking ourselves in life too seriously. In another one chapter story that I really love that connects to that one is chapter 55, What is the Recipe? Uh, That's the name, it's a question. So that one too, so the idea of laughter, just being light around each other. So talk to me about these topics and also the stories if you want to mention them. Yes. Nights of Rhythm was about my mother and I had was driving her somewhere and she's in her 90s. And I asked her, just ask her questions in the car. I said, Mom, if you could have any job, what would it be? I thought it might be a saleswoman or an executive in a big company. And my mom was brilliant. And she looked over at me with this gleam in her eye and she said, lead singer in a band. <laughs> lead singer in a band? Who are you? Right. Right. <laughs> said, yeah, when I was in high school, I was a lead singer in a band <laughs> called the Knights of Rhythm, K-N-I-G-H-T, Knights of Rhythm. And I thought that was hilarious. Right. And she just said, there's nothing like belting out a song at the top of your lungs. And I thought, that's true. There is nothing like belting out a song at the top of your lungs. <laughs> and I love that because, you know, as my mom's got older, she has gotten a little bit slower. And in order to help her go a little faster, I put music on. Mm-hmm. And her favorite, of course, is Frank Sinatra. And so I put on Frank Sinatra <laughs> flying to the moon and I can get her to do anything. <laughs> like, mom, come on, let's dance. Let's make cookies or whatever. The second the, the music's over, she sits down, plops herself down. I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. yeah. That is so cute. I put the song on again. I put on again it's right back up. She cannot sit down. I love that because music does. It inspires us. When I was uh, little, my mom used to say in church, like if I wasn't singing, she would lean over and say, when you sing, you pray twice. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. That is okay, so wonderful. Okay, I will do that. And she was just one of those very lighthearted people that just found joy in everything. And my mother-in-law too, my father-in-law, mother-in-law in the, the recipe book right. where I find the recipe. She too is very lighthearted. And I was asking her and my father-in-law one day, what is the recipe to a 50-year marriage? Like, I want to know. And she just kind of smiled and said, laughter. Mm -hmm. Laughter. Just don't take anything too seriously. Just laugh. Don't worry about things. And my father-in-law hugged her and they started chuckling like it was this little secret they had. Like, yes, they would get through anything. And that. 
humor in it. And they did. And they still do. That's so true, isn't it? It's what a beautiful reminder for all of us. Just don't take life too seriously. Laugh more. Play more. <laughs> That's <Yes>. the idea. <laughs> Love that. Yes, play more. Have fun. I know that freedom takes responsibility. Everything's about being aware. But I loved what you said earlier about connections. Life is about connection. So if we keep that in mind and we become lighter, we play more, then that's it. That's a life well lived, beautifully lived. Yeah. And, you know, so many people get caught up in, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this right. I have to do this right. Do what you love. I mean, if you're... Mm. People say, oh, you know, taking care of kids is a lot of work. Well, you know what? If you do what you love and you invite them into your world as well as going into their world, it won't be so much of an a obligation, but be more of a celebration. Like, I love music. I love to dance. And so I remember I would have the music on when the kids were little growing up. And Saturday mornings, we would turn on whatever the, the hot music was for that <laughs> that week. And my kids grew up dancing for hours in <laughs> front of the you know, the coffee table, just dancing and dancing. So find what you love and others will enjoy it as well. And really, like you were saying, just enjoy that fun and that love and embrace the gifts that you've been given. What do you think complicates life? Do we complicate life really or life it is uh, challenging? Yes. Uh, you know, I really think the greatest gift you can give someone is their self-esteem, is to let them know that they are worthy. And I think what complicates us is when we think we're not mm, worthy right. or someone tells us, someone of high regard tells us that we're not worthy or we're not good enough. I think the second that that happens, you know, I think what's the saying when you, when you are mad at a child, they don't dislike you. When you criticize a child, they don't dislike you. They dislike themselves. Mm, right. That's the greatest tragedy we can do is to criticize a child who is just being a child. They're going to not like themselves. And so we have to really to help us find this freedom, this life, this beauty in life is we got to help people see the good in themselves. We all make mistakes, but helping people find self-confidence will help people see that, no, they're not right all the time and no one's perfect, but that they can figure out a path forward, that there's always a way that they can move forward, that they can be someone's light, that they can find the light for someone else, that we don't have to always go backwards and, and say the negative things in life or be sarcastic in life. There's not enough time in life to be sarcastic and be negative. We need to find the positive, move forward and see the next beautiful gift that's in front of us. What complicates life, it's um, the lack of self-love and self-worth, right? Yes. Sometimes, you know, again, yeah. it's the way we talk to, to the people that we live with. So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you, the uh, ending questions. And I'd like to mention uh, chapter 23 too, I wish I could. I love what you have written there, a passage that says, my father taught me I could do anything. And my mother cheered for me the entire time I tried. I mean, this is just a beautiful statement from experience, from your life experience that I wish for all, all of us, perhaps not in this lifetime, we didn't have the opportunity to have parents like you did, but who knows the next one. That's what I wish for myself, <laughs> which I didn't have, <laughs> to experience this supporting father, loving, incredibly loving mother. Wisdom, really. You have been brought with a lot of wisdom, wise people. 
That says something about the spirit, your spirit, <laughs> your soul. Bless you. Thank you, yeah. Larry. So before I ask you the final questions, would you like to add anything or read another passage from your book? I just want to thank you for doing your work and reading my book. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you actually giving me quotes and pieces that you've read and things that touched your heart and stories that you liked. As an author, that's the greatest gift you can give me to say, oh, I love this chapter. Oh, I like that or this was touching. <laughs> There's nothing greater you could give me. Like I am so happy right now that you looked, <laughs> read it. I am so appreciative to you and your giving heart. I am just so grateful to you. Thank you. I feel the same thing about you. Thank you, Jennifer. Same way. So my last questions, I'll ask you, yeah, these two questions. I usually end with them. If you knew you would leave the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I've actually thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> And I would love to be one of those people. I wouldn't change anything. I love my right, life. Right. I, I would love to be able to say that. However, <laughs> I think I would pull in as many people that I could get in my house that I loved if COVID wasn't going on. And I tell them all how much I love them and how much I appreciate them and how I want them to do great things with their life and be wonderful and amazing. And I would just make sure everyone that I know or even people on the street that I didn't know that they felt loved. I would just try so much to let everyone know how much they are loved and how much life they have in front of them. Oh, what an amazing vision, even to imagine. That is just incredibly beautiful. So my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm worthy. And I know that there is a greater place one day that I aspire to be where I will be reconnected with all those I loved and all those who love me. Everything about you, it's beautiful. The word's beautiful. That's what I use for nature. A lot of times nature is beautiful. You are beautiful. Thank you. You are beautiful and you are such a wonderful interviewer. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you and to be able to connect with you and to share these these ideas with you. I should be interviewing you because you're the one with all the insight and the direction and the knowledge. Oh, that is, um, that's sweet of you too. I'm an introvert. So no, 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 don't interview me. <laughs> no, no, no. So before we say goodbye, <laughs> where can we find more information about you, your work, books, products, and future projects? Thank you for asking, Valeria. <laughs> you can find me at girardiassociates.com, which is G-I-R- A-R-D-I, associates.com. That's my motivational speaking company. And my book is called Put Comfortable Shoes in My Coffin. It is available on Audible and Kindle and anywhere books are sold. It's also available in Spanish. And I would be honored to hear from you if you read it or you check out something on my webpage that you like. I would be honored. I can be reached um, on email at jennifer.mac1 at gmail.com. That's Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R dot M-A-C-1, the number one, at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Jennifer, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jennifer McCloskey and her work, please visit GirardiAssociates.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.